week. Today we've got an amazing guest, Max Bell. She's going to be taking us through an amazing journey through her life and yeah, she's got a colorful past that Amanda's going to tell us a little bit more about, but today it's going to be a good day. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> so, Max. Max works for HEP WA. We are so lucky to have her, but she has had a very colourful past. She's been a Jillaroo, a parole officer, a dancer. She's a mosaic artist and she's lived with hepatitis C for 20 years. So there's lots to unpack there today. So welcome, Max. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, yes. guys. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> very nice to have you. Yeah. Before we get started, actually, you mentioned a word that I've heard for the first time. What is a jillaroo? A uh, jillaroo. A jillaroo is like a jackaroo. Have you heard of a jackaroo? No. Okay, so a jillaroo and a jackaroo um, are the male-female terms for station hand. Okay. So I worked on a buffalo station in the Northern Territory oh, right, right, in right. Got it. 1986, I think it was. Yeah, yeah 200 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah. So that's riding horses and we rounding up cattle and yeah, all that? Yeah, we didn't have horses. They had um, bull catchers, which are jeeps that the top's been cut off and they've got these big arms on the side. They had helicopters. We used to set up fencing yards and catching yards and... Um, yeah, it was during a program in the Northern Territory where they were trying to eradicate buffalo because of the hard hooves that were destroying the land. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So was that when you were hitchhiking around Australia? Did yeah. You, at the age of 17? Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow, would you do that today? No way. <laughs> no. no way. And I'd kill my daughter if she did it yeah, too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I went to, from Perth to um, Queensland with some friends and um, then I hitchhiked from Queensland to Darwin with another friend and then hitchhike from Darwin back to Perth. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's full on, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> back in the day. I can't believe I did Back that. in the day. Yeah. And so you've also been a youth worker and a parole officer. Yeah. So I started doing youth work um, when my daughter was about two or three and I had a friend who was a youth worker and she worked at a service in Perth and... Um, she kept on encouraging me to come on board and do a program with them and I was pretty reluctant at first but then she told me um, that it was a funded, she got some funding for a program to do, make a little film about injecting drug use and um, yeah so I, I said yes and I did that and then while I was doing that uh, she got pregnant and ended up going on maternity leave and I took over her role. So I wasn't formally trained, mm. but I had a lot of on-the-job training yeah. and a lot of personal experience, I guess. That's yeah. what they liked. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so when did you find out that you were positive for hep C? Okay, I found out I was positive in 1993 and I was pregnant and... Life wasn't going that well at the time. Mm. Um, I was in hospital and um, they, because of my lifestyle, they, they gave me every test that they could. And I remember going into the hospital on a Friday and you used to have to sit in this waiting room with all these other pregnant women and there was these little cubicles that the doctors would be behind and you'd just go in and see the doctor. And I remember it was a Friday afternoon and 
I saw the doctor who didn't really seem that interested in me and he went through this list and said, um, you know, HIV negative, this negative, that negative, hepatitis C positive, that negative, blah, blah. And I said, what's hep C? Mm. And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. And he wouldn't tell me anything about it. And I don't think he actually really knew that much about it then. So when I left, I went to the... um, um, central drug unit and they had a library there and I tried to look up some information mm. about it but of course back then there wasn't that much and what was available was in heavy medical jargon so I didn't understand it anyway mm. and I didn't really know that much about um, transmission from mother to child so mm. yeah. were you scared yeah I was yeah yeah did you get any support anywhere no Gosh. No, not at the time, Gosh. no. Yeah. So can you just explain for our audience what <coughs> last time we had a podcast we were talking about hepatitis B. Yep. And what's the difference between the two, hepatitis B and hepatitis C? Because it's quite distinctive, isn't it? Yeah. So hepatitis, hepatitis B is blood-borne and is also transmitted through sexual fluids. Mm-hmm. Hepatitis C is only transmitted through blood. It's only in people's blood. Um, and hepatitis C can be quite a... It, you can, it, there's, there's an acute and a chronic hepatitis C. Mm-hmm. So you can get hepatitis C and within a six-month period, your body can fight off the infection. Mm-hmm. And that's acute hepatitis C. Mm-hmm. The first time I got it, that's what I had Ah. and they were quite surprised to find that um, after six months the virus had gone they couldn't find any viral load Um, being a perseverer that I am I got it again (laughs) Um, and that time it was chronic hepatitis it didn't go away after six months right with a different strand or strain it was uh, I don't know if it was a different Mm. strain or not because there's lots of different strains of hepatitis C Mm. Um, and back then and up until 2016, the treatment for hepatitis C was interferon and ribavirin. And it, depending on what strain of hepatitis you had, mm. depended on the time of treatment you had. So if there was a six-month treatment or a 12-month treatment, mm. depending on what strain you had. I've heard a lot about interferon. Yeah. And it's been, uh, back in the day, you know, it was horrendous. People, yeah. it was like going through 12 months of chemo. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, it was horrific. What, yeah. Yeah, I had it um, and I went on a trial because at the time they were trialling a new drug and at the end of it I found out that I was on the placebo but I still had the interferon and ribavirin. Um, and I last, I was meant to do 12 months. I lasted nine months and I had a rash that was a weeping, itchy rash all over my body. I couldn't go in the sun because it felt like any sunlight on my skin was like needles and razors. Mm. Um, yeah, it was awful. I had no energy. When you did end up getting treatment, um, what effects were you experiencing that made you think, okay, that's it, I'm going to get treated mm. now? Um, yeah, it's quite a Well, that's the disease. thing with hepatitis mm. C. It, yeah. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, 
over the years of being treated and going to see doctors and getting liver function tests and all that sort of stuff, yeah. they would always ask me things like, um, are you depressed? Do you have low energy? Mm. Um, and ask me the uh, brain fog, ask me all these sorts of symptoms. Mm. But my lifestyle and my life circumstances at the time made me think, yeah, I'm depressed and I've got no energy, but look at my life. Yeah. Mm. So, after I'd gone through a lot of personal development and sorted out a lot of issues in my life, and I was still feeling like that, first of all I thought it's because I'm getting older, and then I thought, I'm not that old. <laughs> um, and then I started thinking, okay, maybe that's the hep C. Mm. So by the time I got treatment, I had a liver biopsy, which they don't do anymore, no. thank goodness, because no. they're really painful. Mm. Um, yeah, by the time I had the liver biopsy, I found out that I had um, stage three fibrosis, um, so my liver was quite damaged, mm -hmm. and that's when I thought I'll better go on the treatment. So you had had that for maybe 20 years? Yeah. Before you went on the treatment? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And there was no information and no support? Not back in 93. Yeah. When I went on the treatment, yeah. luckily hepatitis WA was around yeah. and um, there was a woman that used to work at hepatitis Lynn. WA, Lynn, yeah. who is just a superstar Yeah, um, and yeah she was fantastic. Right, so yeah. in what way, how did she, what did you need and what did she provide? She was, she provided the language that she she was like a translator between the medical profession and me. Mm. So she um, had come to a few, she would come to appointments with me, um, and also I think because um, because of the hepatitis C, I I was always a bit doughy. Brain fog is yeah. is one of the symptoms, yeah. and um, just so I wouldn't forget what was said or miss something, Lynn would come with me and she'd just get everything and when we'd leave and she was just such a calming person, mm. um, really lovely, lovely non-judgmental, she didn't care how you got it, mm. um, you know, and, and, and she could explain what they'd said and mm. she remembered everything too yeah. and just, she was just there so if ever I felt that I was freaking out or panicking and about anything. Lynn was a great ear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And she'd seen so much, she was mm. just like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, and thank you for coming forward and talking about Hep C because, you know, we've been struggling. We can't find anyone that will talk yeah. about Hepatitis yeah. B. Right. You know, that we can't get anyone to... Yeah. There's so many people that, you know, are living with Hep B yeah. because there's no cure for B, whereas yeah. there is for C. Yes. But we can't find anyone to talk about it. So thank you for coming and talking about it. because, And I think it's because of the, the stigma. Yeah. And, you know, can you talk a bit to that? Yeah. Like what the stigma was like for you? Or There's a huge stigma associated with hepatitis B and C. Mm. I can talk about my personal experiences with the stigma around hepatitis C, which is huge. Um, for a long time... People called it the junkie disease. Right. Um, I've heard anecdotal stories from people that I've worked with um, of them not being allowed to come to their families' homes if they had children, their nieces and nephews, because you know their, their family was scared that their kids would get it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, well, that's the old sharing cups yeah, thing, yeah. which is very alive today in the it hep still B is. world. Yeah, yeah, that people. I was talking to a family, and um, one of the grandparents has hep B, and they're not allowed to eat oh. or drink with the grandchildren or any family members. They have to sit separately. Oh, that's awful. And I explained, and I went through yeah. it all. But it, it, hopefully, it sank in. But yeah. it's that you know, disease you can't. But it's not transmitted through yeah. sharing anything like that at no, all. No, it's not. Because I, it's blood. Yeah. Mm. I remember being at a bar and a guy that I was talking to was talking quite derogatorily about people with hep C. And I've been as the sort of person that has stuck my neck out a lot over the years to go, well, I've got hep C mm. because I want to dispel those myths and... Um, I've got thick skin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I said something that to him, and he physically picked his drink up and stood back. Right. Um, oh. But I kind of feel like those sorts of conversations are really important because I can have them, and I'm okay mm. with that. Whereas so many people aren't, and it's awful. Yeah, people hide. Yeah, yeah. Did you know. Did you have any um, preconceived thoughts yourself when you found out you had hepatitis C? When the doctor said those words, did you think, oh, oh my goodness, that junkie disease? Or no. you just had no idea, blank canvas, and then had to start learning about it yourself? Yeah, I had no idea because I'd never really heard of it. Right. And does that make it, I guess, easier to advocate for it because you haven't had to unlearn things? Um, Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because I'd imagine if I have an idea about a disease, it's going to take a lot for me to see outside of what I've been thinking or experiencing for the past few years. Yeah, true. I hadn't thought of it like that, but probably, yeah. I remember when I was um, maybe 20 going to a... It was an HIV-AIDS conference um, in America... And because of what I was surrounded with, I had what I understood to be um, the disease. Yeah. So it was people dying, very thin, very ill, and just, you can tell that, oh, this is what's happening. But I remember going to this conference and seeing people that looked like football players. They Mm. were strong, they were healthy, good-looking, smart, and I had this moment of thinking, this is a total mind shift, um, and being surrounded by people in that setting, that's what helped me overcome the stigma. Yeah. And I think it's not until people start seeing people like you mm. that are healthy, functional, uh, contributing to society that yeah. they begin mm. to think, oh, maybe it's not a junkie disease, yeah. you know? Mm. So, yeah, no, yeah. I really appreciate it. It turns out it's fear of the unknown, yeah. isn't it? it we're, is. we're seeing it with COVID as well, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Something new, you know, that, yeah, <laughs> that you don't understand. It's the wow. same thing, yeah. isn't it? Not knowing what it is. Yeah, not yeah. knowing. So therefore, you know, you just sort of mm. like get toilet paper yeah. and protect yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, so really ha- to know. Mm. Sorry. Um, what has been the major shift from? Um, actually, no, before that, you spoke about having this treatment for eight months and then tapping out at, you said, eight or nine months? Nine months, yeah. Nine months, yes. Um, were you cured then? Yes. Okay. So oh. when I went into, because I used to go into the hospital every week and have, like, get drained. I was like going to see vampires every week. Yeah. And um, So it was intravenous? 
Uh, they used to take my bloods because I was on the trial. What was the trial? Pills or? It was a, another tablet. Mm. I can't remember what the other. Mm. I don't know that they ever brought it out. Um, they just kept with, they Tablets. stuck with the interferon and ribavirin. So the interferon was an, um, an injection that used to give yourself once a week and the ribavirin were tablets that would take every day, daytime and nighttime. And then every week I would go to the hospital so they would test my mm -hmm. bloods because they wanted to keep track of what exactly was going on. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I finally went in and the nurses were so fantastic at RPH. Um, the Hep C nurses that I worked with, they were so nice. Um, I remember going in and saying to them, I broke down in tears and I said, I can't do it anymore, I just can't do it. And one of them went, oh my God, I can't believe you've lasted as long as you have. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. what do you mean I could have given up before this? Yeah. I was just like, no, I've got to do yeah. it. Yeah, good yeah. on you. Because, yeah. I mean, that treatment's no longer used. No. And we've got, you know, the new treatment yeah. now. It's fantastic. It's one pill a day yeah. for two to three months and there's yeah. no side effects for yeah. hep C cure. Yeah. So, and that's only been since 2016. Yeah. So... It's fantastic. I mean, you missed the boat. <laughs> oh, I know. I know people that have, have had it since yeah. then, and I'm just like, oh, that's great for you. So, <laughs> so how has your uh, health changed since you've had the cure? Like, what's happened oh. for you? Um, well, it was a slow progress because I kind of thought that as soon as I was cured, I'd feel a lot better, but I felt terrible. But I, so I went to see a friend of mine who was a naturopath and she said to me, well, Max, what do you expect? It's, you've just like had, it's like the equivalent of a nuclear bomb going off in your system with the interferon treatment. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a period of about eight or nine months after that that I felt like I was recovering from the treatment. Mm. Um, and then after that, um, I think the biggest thing thing that I noticed was having more energy. Um, mm. I, like before, I could sleep 24 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> I was always tired. Yeah. Um, brain fog was a really bad thing, and I think I've got a little bit of that left over. I'm not sure. <laughs> it could be ageing. <laughs> uh, could be anything now. But um, I felt a lot clearer, and um, that was the main thing for me was the energy levels. Mm. Yeah. That's what a lot of people say, yeah. you know, once they get the cure. They, don't, yeah. they didn't realise how tired yeah. and how, you know, worn out and yeah. depressed that they were. And then exhausted. when they get cured, yeah, yeah. and headachey and yeah. foggy and all that sort of thing with B and C. Yeah. And then when they get cured, it's like, oh, my God, this is what, you know, normal life is, yeah. you yeah. know, because you get used to it. Yeah. Because it builds That's up it. over it, years. It's a gradual you, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you get used to living with the symptoms of it yeah. until you don't really you incorporate them yeah. into your life and you don't mm. really realise that that's from the virus. Yeah. That's why we, they call it the silent killer, yeah. you know, yeah. because it is like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, you know, you've got a long history with Hep WA. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about that? Okay. I think I, st I can't remember when I started. I think I started working for Hepatitis WA in about 2013. And I be had been a stonemason for a, a couple, few years. I worked as a stonemason, a monumental mason, making headstones. And then I found a way to put artwork on the headstones. And so I was about 40, I think. 
And so I was working with um, them and then I snapped the ligaments in my ankle and uh, I couldn't walk and I couldn't put a steel cap boot on and um, that was for a couple of months and then I was laying in bed thinking I don't want to do this anymore what what else can I do can I go back to sort of working in the community sector Mm -hmm. and I got up one day and the newspaper was laying on the floor and a ad jumped out at me for um, uh, a prison education officer at Hepatitis WA. So I went for the job. I thought there's no way I'm going to get it. So I was pretty relaxed in the interview because I thought I'm not even going to really try. Mm. And um, I remember there was three people sitting across from me, interview the interviewer panel, and it was a coffee table like this. And I don't often wear skirts, but I had a skirt on. And I was sitting there like this, <laughs> trying to, like, going like this the whole time. And at the end of the interview, Glenn said to me, so how do you feel, how do you think you would feel um, sitting in a room full of male prisoners? And at that point, I thought, I've not got the job. And I said, oh, I'll tell you what, I feel a damn, damn sight more comfortable there than I would here right now trying to sit in this skirt. <laughs> And um, they started laughing, and then they said, I've got the job. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's where I met you. Yeah. Is, yeah, because yeah. you were in the prisons, and yeah. then I came on board yeah. 2014, and you, you know, showed me the ropes yeah. in the prisons, yeah. and then you left for Alice Springs, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I must have come to Hepatitis WA before 2013, I think. I'm not very good with time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because yeah. then I did, I went to Alice Springs for yeah. um, seven years I was there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then you've come back. Yeah. What are you doing now? So now I'm back in the prisons and um, I'm doing prison education at women's at the moment at Malaluka. And I'm doing um, uh, presentations at rehabs and... A bit of teaching and a workforce few different things. Development. Yeah. Yeah. Workforce development. Yeah, workforce development. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Thanks. Yeah. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about past, we've talked about present. Mm-hmm. We've brought it right so forward. I guess, I guess it's your what, what you need to see happen with Hep C in the community and, you know, what it is that you're, you're, that's missing about the missing millions, you know, the people yeah. that aren't coming forward to get treated and yeah. what you think needs to, to happen. Um, like when I go into prisons and I talk to people or rehabs and I talk to people about hep C treatment, one of the first things that I explain to them is that Hepatitis WA is a small organisation with a very few people working uh, for it we don't get a lot of funding, so we don't have the money to do massive advertising campaigns about the treatments that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, we remember in the 80s and 90s, the HIV and, you know, the, the Grim Reaper mm-hmm. and the bowling ball mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Everybody mm-hmm. remembers that that was yeah. around then. Yeah. Um, I wish we had that sort of money mm-hmm. to educate people about hepatitis C yeah. and B. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not, so it's up to people like us to go out into the community and try and educate people and destigmatize the viruses. Mm. Um, 
and that's why I do what I do while I can do that. Um, yeah, I, I just hope that the message can get out there that the treatment is available. It's so easy these mm, days. Mm. Um, and, and for people to be not afraid of going to see their doctor. I mean, I've had some awful experiences over the years too, seeing different doctors who have been quite mm. horrible and made me feel about this big mm. um, for having hep C. Mm. Yeah. And that's a huge judgment. It's an ongoing thing, isn't it? It's an it? ongoing thing. It's just generation after generation yeah. and hopefully with education and training and the passion because that's what yeah. I'm hearing from you is that yeah. you've got a lot of passion yeah. you know, for this topic yeah. because of your own life but also sharing it with others so that they yeah. can get the help and support they need and to debunk all these myths and... Yeah. 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 So thanks, Max. <laughs> Yeah, we look forward to sharing more of the story with everybody else. Thanks, guys. Thank you.